Nations. It's good to be home with you guys here. If you don't know who I am, I'm Eric Gilmore, one of the teaching pastors here. Let's jump right into the scriptures. What do you say? Turn to John chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 31. While you turn there, I'm going to pray. Lord, give me stillness of heart so I can hear you. Give me joy so that you're not misrepresented. And give me sweetness, Lord, so that you can kiss your people. Speak, O blessed Master, in this quiet hour. Let us see your face and feel your touch of power. For the words which you speak, they are life indeed. Living bread from heaven, now our spirits feed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about Jesus above all. I've come to cast joy upon joy. Those of you that know him desire nothing but him. Those of you that do not know him desire everything but him. There is a line drawn in the sand for those that know God and those that do not. Jesus is that line. John chapter 3, verse 31. These are the words of John the Baptist talking of Jesus. He who comes from above is above all. <laughs> he who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard, of that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God sent speaks the words of God, and he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal Life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. What words, what language? There isn't anything in other writings that can compare to such a contrast, such a stark, such an unyielding statement as this. I want to focus on those first couple words. He who comes from above, is above all. Speaking Christ, teaching Christ, proclaiming Christ is not only timeless, it's always timely. Christ is always what is needed. You will never find a situation in which something other than Jesus is the answer. We proclaim him so that we might Present all men complete. It is the proclamation of a man, Christ Jesus. And I vow with my life to speak only of him. And I know many of you in this room are with me. I pulled uh, a couple of quotes from Charles Spurgeon to talk about what it's like in preaching Christ. He says here, If I had only one more sermon to preach before I died... It would be about my Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that when we get to the end of our ministry, 
One of our regrets will be that we did not preach more of him. I am sure that no minister will ever repent of having preached Christ too much. Praise God. He says, a Christless sermon, oh, it's a brook without water, a cloud without rain, a well which mocks the traveler, a tree twice dead, a sky without the sun, a night without the stars. It's a realm of death, a place of mourning for the angels and laughter for devils. Oh, Christians, we must preach Jesus Christ. Praise God. He says, a sermon without Christ at its beginning, at its middle, and its end, is a mistaken conception and a crime in execution. Praise God. We must preach Jesus. He goes on to say, If you leave Christ out, you have left the sun out of the day, the moon out of the night. You have left the waters out of the sea, the floods out of the river. You have left the harvest out of the year. You have left the soul out of the body. You have left the joy out of heaven. You have robbed all of its all. Praise God. I'm here to say he who's from above is above all. Two major points that I have for you today is this. Because he is above all, he deserves a love above all, an affection above all, an attention above all. Because he's from above all, he should be placed above all. Number two, because he is from above Because he descends out of heaven, because he's from above, he delights the soul above all earthly things. He who's from above is above all, and so is everything else about him. His voice is above every voice. His touch is above every touch. His tender kiss is above every kiss. The fragrance of Christ is better than any fragrance. Jesus tops everything. Every day, all the time. Say, Eric, what's your message? He who's from above is above all, and we must place him where he belongs. We must give him the kind of love that he deserves. He who is from above is above all. Maturity in the Christian life is maintaining a radical reduction to Christ above everything. That's how you can tell If a person is growing in the Lord, they become so focused more and more like a laser beam on the man, Christ Jesus. And other things just seem to wither away. Other interests just seem to fade away and dissolve. A.W. Tozer wrote, the church rises and falls altogether depending on her view of Jesus. Where is the church today? The church is however she looks at Christ. If he is everything, she will be strengthened. 90 years ago, T. Austin Sparks gave a prophecy. And he said, in the end times, the testimony of Jesus will be proclaimed by those to whom Jesus is everything. And I believe that that's where everything is headed and that's what God desires. What has our attention in our lives? That's the question. What is it? that has our affection? What are we looking to? Because whatever you look at, that's what you're seeing. And whatever you're seeing, that's what you're saying. If he's the only thing you're seeing, he's the only thing you're saying. But if your eyes are divided, if your eyes are two different ways, you'll find that there's no way to gaze upon Christ with two different directions. You can only look at him or you can look at something else. You say, Eric, am I not supposed to do anything else but look at Jesus? 
Do everything from looking at Jesus. Praise God. The problem is, is that we are masters of creating substitutes, and we're addicted to manufacturing additions. A friend of mine sent me Martin Luther's last sermon preached before he died, and in it he writes, it seems that God is the poorest teacher there has ever been because everyone wants to improve upon his message. We even, like Israel, we replace him and then we stamp his name on whatever it is that replaced him. But we must preach this man, Christ Jesus, alive from the dead, seated at the right hand of God on high, deserving of all affection, all attention, and everything else. This is Christ. So Jesus must be lifted up and out of all of his things. Sometimes he gets mixed with his stuff, and this is not his proper place. He's got to be pulled out of and above all of his things. If he's not first, something else is. And though he gives many things, they're just, the things that he gives to us, they're just pictures of him. Who, only a fool would love a picture more than a person. I love my wife as a person way more than pictures of her. I enjoy pictures of her, but I would rather be with her. So it is with the things that Jesus does. They're just pictures of him. But we must go past the picture, through the picture, into the man, Christ Jesus, to taste, touch, see, know, feel, experience. A living God, praise God. This is what saves the soul. Praise God. There's no better message than saying Jesus over and over and over again. Praise God. You see, his graces that he gives they're the train of his robe. And if somebody walked in with a long train of the robe and the first thing you saw was the train of the robe, the first thing that would happen to you is you would want to see who is wearing this. That's the, the purpose of his graces. Is that when they start dragging through the room, you say, who is this? And it's supposed to lead you to the man, Christ Jesus. Praise God. And as Thomas Brooks said, if Christ's graces are his train, when he leaves the room, his train soon follows. We must have Christ's presence. See, we become so taken, just in, in normal life, we become so taken with things and, and graces and gifts and, and people, and we forget him by whose hand they came and whose crown they serve. This just happens to us. We start giving more attention to ourselves then to Christ, we become me-minded and earth-centered. This is just what happens to us. How do I know if I'm me-minded or earth-centered? Well, here's how you can tell. You lose the excitement of his name. His name becomes tasteless on your tongue. You begin to say things like, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. And it doesn't move you anymore. That's how you can tell if you become me-minded or earth-centered. It's what the problem is with each uh, of, the, uh, of the, uh, the backsliders. The backsliders have first lost the excitement of the name of the Lord. This perfect name, this name that is given to him by his Father, sent to the earth by an angel, declaring his delivering nature, and under which every knee will bow and every tongue confess. This name is not only super powerful, it is all tender as well. Praise God. 
This name that heals the sick. Listen to these things. He heals the sick. He cleanses the sinner. He literally leads the righteous and blesses the upright. He comforts the hurting. He mends the broken. He quickens the dead. This is Christ who is a home for the lonely, a meal for the famished, drink for the thirsty, and rest for the weary. This is Jesus who's above all, praise God. Paul tells the Colossians, here's your problem. Jesus is too low. Lift him higher. Paul tells the Galatians, here's the problem. You're adding to Jesus. Look at him alone. Paul tells the Philippians, you're forgetting his nature. And Paul yells out to Timothy through the text in 2 Timothy 2.8, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Because he who's from above is above all. What does it mean he's above all? Listen, he is above all people. He is above all things. He is above all happenings. He is above all angels and powers and emotions. He's above miracles. He's above sorrow and difficulty and forcing and striving and efforts and giftings and callings. He's above all of this. And it must be this way in our hearts and in our minds. God himself has lifted Jesus above everything else. If you look over at Ephesians chapter 1, you see an incredible statement that it says about what God has done to Jesus. It says, he brought about in Christ these things, but he says, he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, Jesus, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God has grabbed everything there is and thrown it beneath Jesus. God has grabbed Jesus and lifted him above everything else. Let us not be so foolish as to keep anything above him. Above him in our minds, above him in our hearts, above him in our wills, in our lives. Let us cast it down the moment we recognize or realize that it has more attention of our heart, more attention of our life, more attention of our minds than him. Because that's the way we realize and recognize and treat him as what he is. Because he who's from above is above all. Francis de Sales said that the problem with the church or the condemnation of the church is she's more occupied with love than the beloved. We get so focused on the things, but then we forget about the man, Christ Jesus. The scriptures are showing us over and over again that we are prone to forget him. We're prone to diminish him or eclipse him or even hold on to his things and set him to the side. But to know, to see to believe that he who's from above is actually above all, he will hold our hearts and our attention without any competition. Maybe what God has sent me here to do today is to say these words to you that you know already. He who's from above is above all. And then together we place our faith in that statement and let it be the way that we live. I'll tell you this, most people's problems... Most people's problems are because something is above the Lord. Most people's, what is it called, tossing and turning of emotions and, and mind have to do with Jesus not being placed above all. To truly believe that he's above all is literally to place him and keep him and worship him above all. See, a thousand usurpers look for a low view of Christ. They wait 
for a low view of Christ because a low view of Christ is an unlocked door. It is a back gate left open. It's kryptonite. It's a slumbering guard. It's poison drank. When your heart has a low view of Jesus, the devil looks for it so he can jump right in there. It makes our hearts, this, this recognition of him above all, makes our hearts so content with him, having or not having, it's all the same. Because you find in Christ everything that you need. It makes our hearts so content that even before or without the answers to our prayers, we have joy. Jesus does answer prayer. God promises the answer of prayer. But most of our prayers are manifestations of him not actually being all. I wonder what our minds would think like if Jesus was placed above all. What would our prayer lives look like if Jesus was actually placed above all? Above happenings, above results, above wanting, above all this stuff. If Jesus was placed above, what would it look like? I tell you this, you'd be free. And you'd be so skipping with joy. Every step would be buoyant with the joy of the Spirit. You'd live in thanksgiving, constantly going up unto God. Colossians chapter 1 this will be the last scripture I point out, but Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether they're thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. <laughs> And he is also the head of the body. He's before all things. And in him are all things. And they hold together. Well, the point that I want to make here is all things were created by him for him. This is showing us that to live for yourself is a violation of the very law of creation. Because he created all things for him. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says that for his pleasure all things were created. In other words, for you to seek out your pleasure is to usurp God with yourself. We violate and break God's wonderful order when we put ourselves as the means and the end of the things that we do. He who's from above is above all means that we've lost sight of ourselves in seeing him. And our works change from a performance or a need to perform to a spontaneous outflow of life. I guess what I'm saying is look, look up, look up higher and see that Christ God man sitting there above. And you will see in your own heart that everything will begin to fall right into where it's supposed to be. A thousand problems are all solved at once when Jesus takes his proper place. Jesus ends his presence, and you find this in your own life, I find it in my own life. His presence ends striving and fighting and whining and bondage and addictions just by the sight of himself. He shows you himself and everything else becomes literally irrelevant. Not that we don't handle our responsibilities, not that we don't have different things that God has put in our hearts as desires and things like that. They're all subjugated. They're all underneath and flowing forth from a life that lives for his pleasure and his glory because he who's from above is above all. You say, Eric, I know this already. Well, I'm gonna say the words of Charles Spurgeon. Let us lament our infrequent use of this all-conquering weapon of looking unto Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. That's one good to memorize. Let us lament 
our infrequent use of this all-conquering weapon, which is looking unto Jesus. Let us lament our infrequent use of this all-conquering weapon, looking unto Jesus. Praise God. The sight of him in the heights will cause us to never live another day without throwing ourselves at his feet because we recognize that only there can love obedience be kindled in the heart. You can't conjure it up. You got to throw yourself down because you recognize he's above you too. He's who's from above is above you and I. A life that is lived thinking of itself defies this statement. He who's from above is above all. We must let go of ourselves and give ourselves wholly over to him because he is also higher than our own commitment to him. You know, sometimes we get so focused on ourselves and so impressed with our own performance. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, men fast from food and gorge on pride. Sometimes we just get so focused on ourselves and we're so impressed with our own performance. Listen, he who's from above is so far above you, you're insignificant. You don't want to have to go through what Job went through to learn this one statement, which is the summary of Job's whole experience. I am insignificant. He who's from above is above all. This is where our attention needs to be. This is where our happiness is. This is where peace is. Because a tempest is set in motion when we put something above Christ. See, he is the greatest. And our folly is this. Our folly lies in trying to top him with something trying to trump him with something. Because of the greatness of his majesty, to worship or think of anything else is the greatest tragedy. Ravenhill once said this, how often the means of worship eclipse the object of worship. What does that mean? What is the means of worship? In other words, how often are we so focused on the means by which we experience the Lord instead of the Lord himself? How often do the means of worship eclipse the object of worship. See, I love his attributes. Yes, I love meditating upon his attributes, but I want to sing to him. I want to feel him. I want to hear him. I want to see him. I want a living, vibrant relationship with my God, and this is Christ above all. Praise God, because he's even above man's thoughts. He has told us what he is. See, he is himself put in his proper place, the cure for anxiety healing for your heart, strength to conquer in the fight, power to walk the world in white, drawing life from Christ breath by breath. See, his lesson is learn of me. His secret is come to me. His wisdom is himself. His way is himself. His truth is himself. Faith itself is looking at him. The Father's last command is to listen to him. God's final statement is Jesus Christ. Say, Eric, I just feel like you're saying the same thing over and over again. Well, he who's from above is above all, praise God. I'm going to close in a way that I've never really closed before. i got six minutes, and I'm going to try to do this in six minutes. There is a writing by C.S. Lewis. How many know C.S. Lewis? And it's written in this book called God in the Dock, and he's speaking specifically about the problem for the atheist, the problem for the unbeliever. 
He says Jesus is the solution to everyone who has faith and the problem for everyone who doesn't have faith. Many religions say, I believe in God. Other religions say, I believe in spirits. But once you talk about the man Jesus, the line has been drawn in the sand. He is a difficult thing for them to handle because his morality is so clean. His teaching is so logical and pure. And it isn't even questioned by a thinking man because it's so perfect. But once you start thinking about the claims that he made, now you have a problem. Because he is either a, in the words of C.S. Lewis, complete lunatic suffering from that form of delusion which undermines the whole mind of man, or he is exactly who he says he is. Because if you think that you're an egg, there may be hope for you. But if you think you're God, there's no hope for you. So Jesus is either that absolute lunatic suffering from a form of delusion which undermines the whole mind of man, or he is God. When we say he who's from above is above all, we see certain statements that he said that no other human could possibly say they're so high above mankind that they are not even comparable to anything else anyone else has ever said. For instance, when he stands at his execution and the high priest asks him who he is, he says, I am the anointed one, the son of the uncreated God, and you shall see me appearing at the end of all of history as the judge of the entire universe. Who can say that? A line is drawn in the sand. He who's from above is above all, period. He deserves that kind of attention. We also see that he says certain things, really interesting things, like he goes around telling people, I forgive your sins. See, listen, if somebody stole $5 from me, it'd be right for me to say, don't worry, I forgive him, we'll speak no more about it. But if somebody stole $5 from you, and I said, don't worry, I forgive him, that's kind of out of place, wouldn't you say When Jesus says, I forgive your sins, he claims to be the one whose sin is a front to. He claims to be the very one that sin is coming against. No one else does this. No one else can do this. One occasion, he's sitting looking down over Jerusalem at a hill above it, and suddenly comes an extraordinary remark. He says, I keep on sending you prophets and wise men. And nobody comments on it. And yet, quite suddenly, almost incidentally, He is claiming to be the power that all through the centuries is sending wise men and leaders into the world. Holy moly. It's almost like he accidentally said it. I'm revealing exactly who I am by this one accidental statement. I'm the one who has sent all the prophets. Who else can say this? He who's from above is above all. I'm trying to remind us that this is the kind of attention that he deserves He goes on and he speaks to people as if he is not even in the category of sin. He says to the Pharisees, you will die in your sins. He says to them, you are sinners. He speaks to them as if sin has nothing to do with him. He is pure, spotless, undefiled, separated from sinners, the highest of all. Praise God. He is from above, is above all. And then lastly, when they say to him, you're not even 50 years old yet. And Jesus says, before Abraham was... Yahweh. (laughs) Hallelujah! Oh, praise God. (laughs) Before Abraham was, I am. Praise God. He who is from above is above all. 
And so here's my ending statement. I'm going to take it directly from C.S. Lewis. And it's going to be hard for me to make it through this. But if the band could come up, that'd be great. He says, <laughs> Lewis says, who can say such words as this? Come to me, everyone who is carrying a heavy load, and I will set that right. Your sins, all of them, are wiped out. I can do that. I am rebirth. I am life. Eat me. Drink me. I am your food. And finally, never be afraid, because I've overcome the entire universe. Jesus, we worship you. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. There's just not another that even compares to you. You are from above, and you are above all. So we lift you above our own lives. We lift you above the things that we want in life. We lift you above situations in our lives. We lift you above our own minds. We lift you above our own hearts. We lift you above this world. We lift you above all things and say, worthy are you, God Almighty, Lamb that was slain. We praise you. We give you glory, Lord, honor, blessing, dominion, power.